Welcome back to episode eight of the Gridiron Guys podcast. And today we're just going to be getting into a bunch of draft stuff. Yes, we changed our name. And with the draft two weeks away, we have almost finished up all of our offensive scouting. And we just wanted to go over the position groups, prospects, and what we have to say about each player. So first and most importantly, we have the QBs. And of late, the QBs have kind of taken a little power shift. Burrow has stayed at the number one prospect in the class. Is he the best amongst all players? Maybe. It's tough to say. But the positional value placed on quarterback and his only production as in this last season make him the consensus number one pick. I don't think I've seen anything else. But with Tua Tagovailoa's recent injury concerns, Kevin, how do you see that affecting his draft stock? Well, I think obviously his ankle, I think he said wrist injuries too. Uh, a lot of different injuries at Alabama have caused his draft stock to fall a little bit. Uh, he's His talent is there, and I don't think any team's denying that he has a lot of talent. It's just his durability is going to be a question in the NFL, especially because he'll be getting hit harder by bigger, faster, stronger guys. And that's just a big concern. I think he might fall a lot in the draft because of that. Because all those injury concerns, I agree. And it's rumored, as everything is in this time of year, that he failed two teams' physicals. And is that true? I don't know. But just because it's out there, it definitely hurts him. And I don't think he'll fall really that far. I think being labeled a mobile quarterback kind of puts that, like, injury bug. Like, you can't throw label over your head. And I could see him kind of having a Deshaun Watson-type mini slide where – Everyone knows he's great, but it takes one team to trade up just to draft him. And he won't go, I don't think, in the top six as he was projected. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But I think he will fall to a team like 8, 9, 10, 11 range. And a team will trade up there where they see the value is right for a player who very well could be a pro ball quarterback from day one. And he's proven he's a winner. He's a great character. He's a leader. He has talent. And I think it's hard to pass up that opportunity for a team to trade up and get him at 10 when you're getting a franchise quarterback at one or two usually. So I think two won't fall that far. I don't see him falling that far. And what that means for the other QBs, Herbert, this basically just guarantees him being a top six pick. Would, would you see any scenario where he's not a top six pick? Um, I think... The obvious is that, I mean, we've known this since the day Joe Burrows declared. He's the number one overall pick, number one quarterback off the board. But I think the Dolphins are also a lock for a quarterback at five. Now, it depends on if the Giants or the Lions trade out and the Dolphins feel the need to trade up or the Chargers. But I think from what I've heard, once again, another rumor, you got to know what to believe and what not to believe. I believe this one, that the Dolphins are split on Tua and Herbert. And I think maybe with Tua's injury concerns and the rumors going around about his injury history, how he failed the physicals potentially, I think this might prompt the Dolphins to take Justin Herbert at five. And I think even if he gets past the Dolphins at five, I don't think he'll get past the Chargers at six. 
but the Chargers do interest me with what they're going to do. Yeah, I agree. The Chargers, they're honestly a very good drafting team. And I think oftentimes they take the best player available despite needs. And that's worked out for them in many ways. They've got Derwin James following them to, following to them, I think, at 13 two years ago. And then last year, did they pick, what, Jeffrey Tillery, defense tackle on Notre Dame? Yeah, he wasn't all that. But, like, at but the he time, still has potential. At the time, he was, like, viewed as the best player on the board. They, they didn't need defense tackle. But, like, they take, like, the most talented prospect. Nah. And I think that Makai Becton might be an oppor- uh, opportunity for a player there. Or yeah. even Isaiah Simmons. Who knows? Like the Chargers really could go in any route, but I do see Herbert as a top six a lot. Yeah, I think the Chargers strategy of drafting best player available not based on need is a great strategy. And I think a lot of teams should really just take that approach. But another team that has a great uh strategy, which is unique from a lot of other teams, is what Mike Mayock has started to bring to the now Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Raiders are an intriguing draft team. I mean, having taken Cleveland Farrell, an absolute surprise. I don't think anybody predicted. Um, it, who knows what they're going to do at 12. Maybe they take a guy like Tua. I personally don't think so as a Raider fan. Uh, maybe another quarterback slips and they take him. But, or maybe they could go back to the Al Davis pick and take a guy like Henry Ruggs with blazing speed. You know, John Gruden loves his fast guys, uh, along with his tight ends. But uh, they're an interesting team. I think they're going to go wide receiver at 12, and I think which is a need and probably best player available too, in addition to trading back at 19 and then recouping a second-round pick, which they lost in the Khalil Mack trade, and taking a guy like Jalen Johnson. Somebody, because they believe in a lot of character, traits instead of like basically Talent. a guy who will fit the culture that they want to bring because if you have a good culture and a winning mentality it's just going to reflect upon everybody which is the best thing to a winning football team which is a new and unique strategy yeah i agree i think the raiders honestly can go a lot of ways that's only because i don't even know if the raiders know if they have franchise quarterback and Derek carr can he win super bowl i don't know we're not gonna get into that right now but Best player available is 100% the best way to draft, but some teams don't have the luxury of doing that. And I think the draft strategy has to start with what player will help me win the most games this year and in the future. And as a Giants fan, I think about this a lot when we're trying to figure out who to pick number four. And I think, no question, Isaiah Simmons is the best prospect at four. Honestly, could be the best prospect in the draft. But when you think about it, how many games is a hybrid linebacker actually going to win for you? So what, he makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage every twice a game, lose two yards, it's not winning you a game. But if you draft that on tackle, Jedrick Willis, Jedrick Wills at four, and he plays really good at the gate, and you have a great tackle on him and an average tackle on Nate Solder, that offensive line is going to be so much better that maybe – Limiting those four sacks could result in three extra touchdowns. And that's what teams have to focus more on is the positional value. And that's why I think the QBs are the most important position to make sure you do that correctly. And I think this year's class is kind of deep for the first three guys. And moving on to Jordan Love, I think Jordan Love has 
crazy talent. It just if a yeah. team can really refine him, and I think you have to get a chance when you're getting to the teens and twenties to have a chance to getting a franchise guy without giving up three or four more picks. I think so many teams have to jump that opportunity. And what teams do you think Jordan Love might fit on, Kevin? That would be a perfect fit to groom him for the Green Bay method. I think the problem with Jordan Love is the fact that he had a lot of struggles with his team. And what I mean by that is he threw a lot of interceptions like this past year, but the year before that, he was amazing. And I think a lot of that comes with turnover and coaching, different players coming and going. Um, which, what if you like Daniel Jones, not going to lie? Yeah, kind of like a Daniel Jones. City college production was weird, but when you watch him, you kind of see that like – you kind of see the Whoa. glimpses of potential. Like his, Jordan Love has the most potential and room to grow out of all the quarterbacks in this year's draft. And I, I don't, don't think, think him, I give him the highest ceiling, even higher. He, than he definitely has the highest ceiling because he can only grow really. Because at worst, by taking him, you're gonna get a guy that all right. Well, his red flags were this, this, and this, and they all showed in the NFL. His potential wasn't there. That I think. He's at his floor right now, so he can only get better. Yeah, I agree. I honestly think these top three quarterbacks, top four quarterbacks, sorry, including Love, Herbert, Tua, and Burrow, all have the potential to be really good. And I think in many other years, Love would not be going as late as he was will be this year. Like, if Love was in last year's draft, he would have been above Haskins. Would the Giants have taken over Daniel Jones? I do not know. But a team's going to get a steal, and they have to find the right value and hopefully find their franchise quarterback. Moving on to a position where the NFL has started to go away with, but Derrick Henry has said not today, is the running back position. And this is a very deep but not top talented running back class. I say there's a lot of guys with potential, but there's no superstar back that you're like, we need him with our first-round pick. So what backs do you think will come into the league and make the biggest impact day one um i think i mean personally i don't think this running back class is the best out of recent years i think there's definitely been better it's a solid back class uh i think jk dobbins might be my favorite back out of all of them i I like him and swift a lot kind of like a 1a and 1b uh actually no i take that back clyde edwards elair is my favorite running back in this class that dude can do it all i I think he really can Want to know what? I think yeah. this class in particular is good for a lot of teams that are trying to build that running back by community approach. Because I think all these guys, I would say the top seven or eight AJ Dillon, Zach Moss, Cam Akers, uh, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, JK Dobbins, and Edwards, all are guys. Maybe Swift and Dobbins can be number one guys and dominate like it touches like 250. I think the rest are all. Honestly, 100 to 200 touch guys a year. And a lot of teams, I think, realize that you don't need a dominant back to win. And a lot, and I think that replicating almost that old-fashioned ground and pound where you swap out the running backs 50-50, like Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs, like that's A.J. Dillon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Oh, yeah. That would I'd be love it. to see that backfield. That, that, would, be that would be awesome backfield. That would be, that'd be amazing. I, I'd buy a ticket to go watch I that. would, too. Like, Teams, I think I saw something on Twitter the other day. The Giants ran for like 2,400 yards in 2008. 
And that starts with the offensive line, which is why we say positional value is most important. But you can find two late-round running, running backs. These guys could all, two of them together, could run for 2K yards. It's just building that line. And they all have talent. It's just the teams have to realize where they're going to fit. Like, A.J. Dillon wouldn't work on the Chiefs. He just doesn't fit their scheme. He can't catch the ball that well. I mean, he can run up, run up the middle, but the Chiefs run out of shotgun. Like, it doesn't work. See, that's where, like, Clyde Edwards, Eli, would be a perfect fit for the Chiefs. He can run the ball really well. Underrated power in really smaller well. boxes. Like, you're not going to have nickel defenders, small linebackers. You're not going to have your big, meaty defensive tackles and Damon Harrison on every play. You're going to have your special pass rushers, like skinny guys trying to get around the edge. That's why all these running backs can succeed, and they're all talented. They're always talented. They just have to be in the right scenario. And guys like Swift and Dobbins can be the guy because they can do it all. But the rest are like that Ahmad, Bradshaw, Brandon Jacobs, where if in the right scenario with the right, the right partner, they can dominate. Like Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw dominated. Just how uh, complete other backfields. Like look at Dalvin Cook and what's his backup's name? I'm completely forgetting. Uh, Alexander Madison. Madison didn't get the ball that much, but when he got when he was out there, his efficiency was crazy. Or Kamara and Ingram. That's what all these guys can be. They're all the guy, but in their own ways. And teams have to learn how to utilize that and then put them where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And an position where you need to stay on the field all the time in the most talented position class I've seen for wide receivers in a long time. This is a dominant wide receiver class, to say the least. Top three Absolutely guys, amazing. top three guys, Judy, Ruggs, and Lamb are all wide receiver ones to 90% of teams when they walk in that door. They're great. Even Jefferson. Even, even Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. They're all elite physical athletes, talented route runners, and have athleticism that will jump off the board. And because there are so many receivers in this class, it could cause all of them to fall back or to rise up to grab the guy you want first. It's very interesting. And I think a lot of these teams, a lot of these teams, it will be fun. Have them all ranked differently. And that scares people in a way that like, say, you're going to have to get your guy. Exactly. You have to get your guy. Say your guy's T Higgins, but you're not sure if anyone else has T Higgins as their wide receiver three, but you're at pick 15, but you want to trade back. You don't know because you don't know if someone's have taken. And there might be a talented wide receiver class, but, the top couple guys are elite. Like, they can do it all. And you're getting value with those guys because if Justin Jefferson was in last year's wide receiver class, easily the wide receiver one. He'd be top 10 pick probably. But this year, you might be able to get him at 20. And wide receiver is a position that you could throw in there right away and they will help you win games immediately. Especially on those cheap contracts. It's such a good value pick. Yeah, I think... This year's wide receiver class, especially, is just so good. I think I've scouted, like, I think we we in combined have about 20 wide receivers scouted, and all 20 of them, I think, could realistically be a third-round pick or higher. But because of the depth of this class, they're going to go later. I would say there's, there's probably eight guys who have a first-round grade or a potential first-round grade. I think, honestly, there could be 10 people that I think I'd that could be a first-round pick, whether it's this year or, like, last year or even if it was next year, but just because of the depth of this class. Like, a guy like Michael Pittman, 
Michael Pittman is probably one of my favorite receivers in this draft class, and he's going to go probably early to mid-second round. But I think any other year he's a first-round pick. Same goes for guys like T. Like Jalen Rieger, KJ Hamler even. Brandon Ayuk. These are all guys who run 4-4. Like Brandon Ayuk, I, I turn on his tape. He has like return specialists. Four, like he looks like he's a four-four athlete. Huge separation. They call him the yards after the catch king. Like, and he's like the wide receiver six or seven. And being able to get that at the end of the first round or the top of the second, that's a guy's gonna come in right away and put up points. And points is how you win. And I think this wide receiver class, you can't feel like you have to wait because you're getting elite talent at a good value. You can't be like. Oh, but there's better receivers later. But if you're getting an elite receiver at the end of the first round, you take him. And I also I also think a lot of the receivers that are going to be drafted in rounds two and three are more one trick pony guys like Denzel Mims or yeah, Mims is just a big speed guy. He reminds me a lot of Brashad Perriman. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there who will be drafted high because they excel in one area. But oh, they're, they're still very good. They're still very but... all very good, and they could be superstars. But the thing is, the top seven or eight guys are well-rounded receivers. Just, yeah. They can play all three downs, do whatever you need. And I think you just got to take them because they're all really good, and they're all going to come in right away, and they're going to be good. What's interesting, again, about this class for wide receivers, there are guys that can do everything. If you want a guy who has great hands, James Proch from SMU, underrated guy. If you want a guy that's really athletic – there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of them. A fast, if you want a guy that's a great route runner, you got Justin like Jefferson, Judy, Judy. Jefferson, the guy after, run after catch, CD Lamb right there. If you Brandon want to speed, there's so many. Speed KJ even. Hamler, Ruggs. Hamler and Rugs. Like, oh my God, there's so many. They all have. Speed. Oh, it's crazy. There's a receiver of all kinds in this draft. You can find what you need, and they will be everywhere. And you just gotta get your guy. I think there's gonna be a lot of teams taking these wide receivers that don't necessarily have a need for it. But like we said earlier, just drafting based on the best player available. What guy will help you win most games? And these receivers, they open up the field for everybody. It's honestly, I would go positional value, QB, offensive tackle, wide receiver. They're right up there. But moving on to a position that, depending on the team, Maybe valued, maybe not as a tight end position, and I think the tight end position has proved to be so valuable for those tight ends that can really dominate. You look at George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and what they can do. They can change the game. They're essentially a, a sixth offensive lineman when they block, and when they go out to run a route, they have the they're like a wide receiver getting like a Isaiah Simmons for them. And no middle linebacker can cover Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Safety struggle. You need a cornerback that's big enough to tackle him. And it shows that if you can find an elite tight end, it is so dominant. And teams try. They really do. Like, the Giants try with Evan Ingram to replicate that, but it's so difficult. And I think teams realize, like even Mark Andrews this year, how hard it is to defend and how it can open up an offense. And I think tight end is another position where it can really make an impact. And what tight ends do you think you could just think come in day one that's rare for a tight end to come in day one and, and help a team win. Yeah. Um, this year's tight end class, there isn't a guy I think that will go round one. But the uh, my favorite tight end is Cole, Cole Kmet. I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, Notre Dame guy. He reminds me a lot of Jason Witten. The way he's a pretty good blocker, 
and he's a guy that's going to slip through a lot of defenses, and he's going to get those, like, sneaky big gains that are going to turn into big plays at the end of the game. And he's a guy that's going to find his way in the end zone a lot of times. Um, Almost- another thing about this tight end class is it's really diversified in the types of tight ends, similar to the wide receivers. So a lot of teams are going to be able to get the guy they're looking for, whether it's a guy like Gronk, Kittle, Waller, all different types of tight ends. Or more like a finesse, like Evan Ingram type player. Or exactly. But uh, none of these guys are really going to be going higher than the second round. Most likely going to be second, third, fourth round picks for the best tight ends. And there's even some good value ones later on in the draft. Like Pinkney from Vanderbilt. I think he might be pretty good too. Yeah, I mean the tight end position is not the best class this year. But they're definitely guys who can come in right away. And it's a, a lot of guys that can provide a good depth. A guy with sure hands, like Kemet from uh, Notre Dame, I believe, who can pick up that third and four on that stick route or over the middle and just catch that ball. Huge. So important. But the, I would say the most important, honestly, maybe the most important position in the NFL other than QB is the offensive tackles. And the offensive tackle class this year, I think it's very strong. It's stacked. It's, it's pretty stacked. And it's stacked. I would say the top couple guys can really do it all, but even guys five, six, seven, I think yeah, they're all we, starters. Sorry, guys like top. Isaiah Wilson, Ezra Cleveland, Lucas Niang. Oh, my. A couple of those guys. They're all pretty good. They're going to be second-round picks. I agree. I think the top guy, I would say, is Jedrick Willis, and he is dominant. Not – the most physically polarizing prospect, which you'd expect from a tackle that's ranked first in the class. But you watch him, extremely high football IQ, flawless technique, blindside protector, was right tackle for two because he's a lefty. And I think he gives no sacks last year or in his career, like one sack, something ridiculous. And being able to put in a guy like that and just knowing you have a blanket on that side of the line is huge. And you have second, third, fourth tackles of like, I think we have Andrew Thomas ranked second. Flawless prospect. I, really like I think he's really good. Not I as, think he's a he's a centerpiece for a lot of franchises. He really is. Not a great run blocker, but he has pass blocking that's just as good as Will's. And putting that on a blind side is huge. And you have Mackay Becton, who could be so good. It's just if he, he can put it together. He, that man's massive. 6'8", like 365. You can just search up pancake blocks Mackay Becton. You will see him take a right right club, throw it at some dude's shoulder, and clear him out of the way five yards for the back to get 15. And you have Chris. So he's massive. He could be his most potential in the class. Wirfs has a lot of potential to move around the line. Very versatile. Very, very athletic. He he could be a great guard if he sucks at tackle. Exactly. And I think just because he projects more as a guard hurts his draft stock because guards are not nearly as important. But he is. Definitely a mid-first round pick because being an elite right tackle who can slide in for guard with bearing an injury, playing left guard, right guard, right tackle probably, it's huge. And then you have guys later in the tackle class who I still think are high-quality starters. And Isaiah Wilson, who is a behemoth man who can move their eyes out of the way in the run game for a team like Tennessee. Or uh, Josh Jones, who's a great pass protector, not as good against the run. These are all tackles. It's rare to find a class where you can find six or seven guys, and you can, I could be like, he's my right tackle, day one, put him in there, he's fine. That's rare. To be able to draft tackle in the first and second round that can start for you, I don't think you can find that many other years. 
It's unreal how good the wide receiver, the offensive tackle, a couple other positions on defense are this year. Yeah, this draft is very deep. I mean, top the top five, I think, is talented as it usually is. With Okuda, Simmons, Chase Young being like the non-QB guys who are probably projected to go there. But tackle and wide receiver, really important positions, have a lot of talent. And I think the off- offensive linemen, especially the tackles in the NFL, have really been lackluster in their production and talent over the last couple of years. And I think teams are going to jump at the tackles. I think it's not even crazy to say there's four tackles in the top 12, 11, maybe even top 10 taken. Yeah, I can see all of them besides Wirfs going top ten. Uh, Beckton. No, Wells. I think Wirfs is going to go top ten. Really? He ran a four eight. Like even because even if you move him to guard or tackle, having a guy like him with four eight speed and being able to knock down defenders on like a screen or a pitch, that's going to be huge. And I think a team like Arizona, who runs the ball a lot, and has a guy like Kyler Murray, I think it could be a really great pick for them. I agree with that. I just think it's hard. I don't. It's very difficult to say because he. When I watched him play, I thought he was a very good tackle, but everyone's like, "Oh no, his size. He's not. He's not a mauler. He's too nice," and that kind of scared the team away. Like I'm spending my top ten pick on a guard, but he. He's a. I think he's very solid. I. I don't see the guard hype as much as others do. I think he is very versatile, and so is Josh Jones, and he out of Houston. I watched him play. He's at left tackle, pulling across the line of scrimmage every other play for his zone running scheme. What left tackle can pull across the line and and seal off that edge from the opposite defensive end? That is a lot to ask for. And I, I think he's going to go top 18. It, I think he's going to wind up going to Miami. Yeah, Josh Jones, fit for a fifth tackle, that's crazy. He's very good. I think I... And then, like, guys like Austin Jackson, who have loads of potential. I wasn't a fan of his, per se, but he's more like an Eric Flowers prospect. He has it all, but can he put it together? Move inside to guard, maybe. But I think the tackles, teams have to take advantage of this. You can get a bookend of your offensive line, maybe even two, to protect your franchise quarterback. It's so important. It helps you win so many games. Just having that extra two seconds every other passing play could add three touchdowns to your game. Crazy. And that's all the scouting we've really done so far. We've done the offensive side of the ball. We're getting to the interior offensive line and then defense. But I think one more important thing to add is how the coronavirus is really affecting, I would say, the entire draft process. And I would say, to keep it short and sweet, it's really hurting small school prospects, prospects out of red flags, Guys with character concerns, missing the combine or nagging injuries to show them that you're fine. Like, literally, I think yesterday or two days ago, Tua had a workout, and now there's a warrant for Tua not violating social distancing. It's crazy. Or guys, like, maybe they have a misdemeanor or, like, a felony on their record, and there's, like, character concerns. But teams can't meet with him in person to be like, he's a good guy. And then, like, the risky prospects, guys who are uber-talented, physical freaks, but production isn't there. You can't run them through drills. So I think we're going to, at least early on, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more safe picks. Guys that are like, like I think Jordan Love is a guy who suffers from this because the team can't bring in his prospects QB and can, and a scout can't be like, 
to the 15th pick like the Saints. He can't be like, trade up, get Jordan Love. How can you say that if you've never seen the man play right in front of you? If, like, exactly. I think safe prospects are going to be not overdrafted, but it boosts all their stock. Yeah, every team has a set number of guys that they're comfortable with and they're going to be looking to draft. And I think those are the guys that, like, there's not going to be as many teams taking risks on players. Yeah, like, if, if a guy falls to you that you didn't expect, but your guy's still there, but the other guy's probably more talented, I think you're going to stick with your guy because scouting this year and just, like, evaluation is hindered because of the virus and just being the lack of communication and interaction with prospects. And I think it's in a show on the draft night. And definitely, we will definitely be getting into defensive rankings in the near future on our next couple episodes in our scouting reports. The draft is in, I think, two weeks from yesterday or two days ago. Two weeks from yesterday, yeah. And we're going to have about 100 scouting reports. So we're going to be able to put together, honestly, maybe even two or even three round mock drafts the day before or two. And we'll be up with the latest rumors. And we'll definitely be getting to you with more in-depth on offense and definitely in-depth on defense in the near future. So right now, just make sure to listen to all our old episodes and stay tuned for new draft analysis coming next week. See you all next week. Stay safe.